chocolate and alcohol. Chocolate, haha, <laughs> yummy. Alcohol, you might think that's yummy too. Good or bad? And probably the two most controversial topics when it comes to food and liquid, and that's why I've picked them. Uh, if you had to look at food to say that's good or a bad food, if I had broccoli and apples and salad and, and lean meat, for example, versus chocolate and beer, uh, most people would probably say that chocolate makes you fat and beer obviously can make you drunk or alcohol can make you drunk, and they are listed in the bad food category. Would that be fair? They're going to make you a little bit chubby like my little frog here. <laughs> uh, as an exercise professional, these are very, very controversial topics for me. And I share this with you very passionately and openly because uh, to the extreme, is it possible that these could be very dangerous? If you, if you drink alcohol to the extreme where you become an alcoholic and alcohol is controlling your life, can that be very detrimental to your life? And of course the answer is yes. And if you've ever had the experience of um, having an alcoholic in your life or you've, you've experienced any form of that in your life, you'll know that it's very complicated and very soul-destroying for the family and it's just not a very nice way to live. So that's alcohol to the extreme. Uh, this is interesting because chocolate to the extreme. First of all, if you eat two, three, four kilograms of chocolate, uh, you'll probably feel sick. Uh, as, as if you, The same as if you would eat any, anything, two or three kilos of it, you'd probably feel sick. Uh, but there are a lot of people where this particular substance is in control of their life because they think it's a bad thing. So I can't eat chocolate because it's bad for me. I don't want my kids to eat chocolate because it's bad for them. It's got fat and sugar in it and it's bad for you. Uh, and that, that may well be true. However, if like me you've worked with people who, even looking at this packet, desperately, desperately would love to have a piece of chocolate but they would never because they think it's bad for them. So now, having seen the chocolate for an hour, two hours, one day, two days, one week, two weeks, all they're thinking about is I can't have chocolate but I want to. I really love chocolate but I'm not allowed to have it. I wish I could have some chocolate. And people have shared with me, they've become bitter and twisted and angry because they can't have chocolate because they think it's a bad food. Now, we could say the same about alcohol. It's interesting though because, um, and this is why I'm using both of these particular substances. If you have a look at health recommendations, if you look at what the anti-aging experts are saying, if you have a look at the longevity studies, it seems that the people that drink alcohol in moderation, and there's a really interesting word, isn't it, moderation? Because moderation for who? But it seems that people who have one or two glasses of alcohol, and we used to say, oh, it's red wine, it's the red wine that's really good for us. But the, the longest longevity studies in the world, the people that live the longest, it seems to be the people that have alcohol in their life. Not, I can't have it, I wish I could have it, I'm going to get drunk on Monday, Friday evening. No, people who have one or two glasses of alcohol on a regular basis, if not every day, to the point where there are some health organizations, some health departments, some ministries of health in different countries around the world who suggest that you have one to two glasses of alcohol every every evening because uh, you'll live longer, you'll be less stressed, 
you'll be able to relax more easily, you'll be able to sleep better. Now, I'll go to the reverse of that again. I don't drink alcohol, and there's, I'm not the only person on the planet. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people don't drink alcohol. Religious reasons, ethical reasons, poor experiences in the past, somebody in their family was an alcoholic, lots of reasons, I get that. For me, I just don't like it. This stuff, love this stuff, this yum, I always have chocolate in my house. But we always have alcohol in our house because my husband loves alcohol. Uh, he really enjoys a glass of wine every night. He really enjoys a bourbon. Uh, he relaxes with his wine. He just It's just part of his relaxation process. Uh, and could he live without it? Yes, <laughs> and often does, because when he's got to, got to make weight for a competition, uh, in fact, I'll take that back, he often uh, will cut back on his alcohol, but he certainly doesn't cut it out, because uh, he really enjoys it. So as an exercise professional, here's my personal question. What is your conviction about alcohol? What is your conviction about chocolate? And I could go to all of the foods. So there's so many foods that can be categorized as good or bad. Uh, there, are, there are people who are vegan vegetarians, and if you talk about meat, they think that meat is really bad. There are carnivores who, if you talk about anything that comes out of the ground, whether it's a fruit, a vegetable, or a grain, they think that's really bad. Uh, there are people who say that sugar is really bad, and there are elite athletes who, if they didn't have sugar, they would never be able to get enough calories to be able to compete effectively because they burn so many calories over the course of the day that they need to get a high energy, and that comes from sugar. Uh, there are people who will argue till the point they want to have a fight with you, uh, whether or not you should eat bread or whether you should eat potatoes. There's an interesting argument about kumara or, or sweet potato is a superfood and it's good for you, but white potatoes, they're really bad for you. And that argument, again, has come to the point with some people where they will want to fight you, that you can't eat white potatoes, they're bad for you. You have to eat kumara, they're good for you. And I don't want to have that argument. How about you? Would it be a really good idea to find out about the person that's in front of you? So the first question to always ask, of course, is where do you sit? What do you believe? What do you have an opinion about? What do you have a conviction about? Because they're really different things, aren't they? And the convictions that you have, do you need for the rest of the world to be doing the same thing as you? So if you're a vegan vegetarian and you think it's terrible to eat animals, are you absolutely passionate about convincing the entire world that they shouldn't eat animals either? Because that's more like a, a crusade, that's more like a mission, that's more like a life purpose than if you sit down with somebody and say, don't eat animals, they're bad for you. Uh, the reverse of that, if you really passionately believe that being a carnivore and only eating animals or animal flesh and not even, there's a lot of carnivores that don't even drink milk or eat cheese or, or butter or anything to do with animals, they just eat meat. Uh, if you really passionately believe that, is it possible that for ethical reasons, for religious reasons, for personal reasons, because I love animals, there are a lot of people that will just, you can't tell them to eat meat because they just won't. So whatever your personal beliefs are, is it possible that there are people that will have different beliefs to you? And the question that I always ask is, whatever my beliefs are, do I have to convince other people to do the same thing that I do? When it comes to eating, uh, and this is the next question, of course, why do people eat? So not just what do you eat, but why do you eat? And again, is it, is it beyond the realms of reality that there are people that eat for different reasons? 
So somebody might walk into my house, see this chocolate, they're starving hungry. They don't even like chocolate, but because they're hungry, they're gonna eat this, because they're hungry. So there's the only food available at Rowie's at the moment is chocolate, I haven't eaten since breakfast, I'm starving, I'm gonna eat the chocolate. Is it possible that there are other people that uh, don't eat chocolate normally, that's not part of their eating plan, until they're angry or they're stressed or they're unhappy or they've had a bad day and then they go searching for chocolate. So then chocolate's not about anything to do with the, the physiology of the human body. It's about the psychology, the emotional scale. Remember the emotional eating scale? Where 10, this end, food is controlling your life, completely emotional. Everything about food becomes emotional, about guilt, about happiness, about anger, about frustration, about comfort. Versus this end, which is zero on the emotional eating scale, or one, which is I just eat when I'm hungry, I stop eating when I'm full, and it doesn't matter what I eat as long as I get some food. And yes, I'll think about it logically, should I eat vegetables, or should I eat fruit, or should I eat meat, or you know, what, what do I need to have to, to have high performance? But it's a logical decision, not an emotional one. Uh, the reason, again, that I ask that question is if somebody is at 10 on the emotional eating scale, where food is controlling their life. <laughs> so they don't enjoy food anymore. They end up hating it because every part of their life is determined by, is that good or bad food? Can I have it? Can't I have it? How many calories are in it? How many fat grams are in it? How many carbohydrate grams are in it? How much protein is in it? Is there a right percentage of those foods in there? Uh, how much exercise will I have to do to burn it off? I really want to have it, but if I eat it, I feel fat. I really want to have it, but if I eat it, I feel guilty. If I, I really want to have it, but uh, I, I don't have time today to do the number of hours of exercise I'll have to do to burn it off, so maybe I'll wait till tomorrow until I can have it. Zero on the emotional eating scale just says I'm hungry, I'm going to eat it, I'm going to have it now. So where, where are you on that eating scale? And is it possible that if you are this end where food's controlling your life and you are a little bit, well, I don't know if you can be a little bit fanatical, uh, you, you are constantly thinking about food, focusing on it, it's a driving force in your life, it's the thing controlling your life. Is it possible that your opinions, your beliefs, your convictions could pull people up that emotional eating scale? And I always use the example of kids. Do we really want our kids to grow up in a world where if they see chocolate, it becomes a challenge for them? If obviously as an alcoholic if you see alcohol it becomes a challenge for you it's a constant battle and the other reason I put these two together is after the many years of working with people who have food controlling their life so they have they're either anorexic or bulimic exercise bulimic uh, obese or a combination of all of those things and I share that hesitatingly if there's such a word hesitatingly <laughs> because uh all of my people, all of my gorgeous clients that have shared their innermost secrets and, and, and fears with me uh, never wanted to be called an, called an anorexic. They never wanted to be called a bulimic. They never wanted to be called the obese person. They were just a person that had some challenges with their food. And it was one of the reasons why they shared so much with me because I didn't treat them like the anorexic or the obese person. Uh, each individual person has a name and they have a goal, and they have a reason for doing the things that they do. Uh, I've had people share with me that they, they just hate themselves so much that the reason they don't eat chocolate is that chocolate is a pleasurable experience, and they don't deserve pleasure. 
So they only eat the food that doesn't taste good, that's boring, that's horrible, because that's all that they deserve. I'm sharing that with you because isn't that a bit different than, can't have that because it's got too much sugar in it. <laughs> uh, the emotional eating scale is at this, this end, the 10 end, the fanatical end, the control end, is not what I want for anybody. And I, again, I've seen people who have, who have become suicidal, they've self-harmed, they've become alcoholics, uh, and food controls their life. They get addicted to food because it, it, it's controlling their life. So how do we stop that from happening? And that's why I put these two together, because uh, good and bad food... Or is it the amount in which we eat it? And alcohol is the classic example for that. Because if you have one or two glasses of alcohol every night, there is a strong argument, a strong scientific argument, that that's a good thing. And the longevity studies prove that. The people that have, without guilt, without anger, without going over the top, without getting drunk, the people that have had a great relationship with alcohol and they've had a couple of glasses of wine, or and again, I'll rephrase, it's not the wine, it's the alcohol. They have lived longer with less stress uh, and they just seem to be happier people. Whereas if I overload with this, <laughs> uh, I get drunk, I become an alcoholic, it becomes really dangerous. So that's a really interesting substance, the alcohol. The chocolate, could it be the same? Uh, could it be a little piece because you love it and really enjoy it? Could that add value to your life? Is it possible that if we think we can't have it because it's bad for us and we shouldn't eat it, it's naughty, it's got too many calories in it, if we put a stigma on a food, if we put a label, a bad label on it, is it possible we want it more? So there's often about this stuff we hear, oh, I thought if I open the block I have to eat the whole block. Well, do you? <laughs> if I open a packet of chocolate biscuits, I have to eat the whole packet. Mm, do you? Couldn't you just have a couple of pieces and really enjoy it? It's one of the things when people come to my house, they think it's really hilarious because if you open my fridge, I always have chocolate. We always have alcohol. There's always lollies. There's always ice creams in the freezer. There's always all the food that people go, oh, that's such bad food. But if I open a, a chocolate, first of all, I only open this if I feel like having a chocolate and there's days, times that I don't feel like a chocolate. But if I feel like a chocolate, I always have one. And, I, and I'll share this with you very personally. There's a reason for that. Because I've worked with clients. I've had people that I've become emotionally attached to, people that I love because they've become part of my life, who if they eat a piece of chocolate, one lady poured boiling water over herself, boiled her kettle and poured boiling water over her body because she'd eaten some chocolate. I had another client who put plastic finger, sticky tape, uh, sorry, gl super glued, glued is what I'm trying to say, uh, plastic fingernails onto her fingers and ripped her, literally ripped her abdominal area apart because she'd eaten food that she thought was bad and she was trying to get rid of it. Uh, this continual throwing up food, vomiting and taking laxatives to poo food out because it's bad. Uh, I just don't want people to live like that. And unfortunately, when you put a stigma on food that says this is a bad food, uh, there's not that much of a stretch to say because I ate that I'm a bad person. <laughs> the interesting thing about alcohol and food 
from the emotional eating scale is I think there's, and now I'm just hypothesizing, I'm not sure about this, but I have had a lot of experience with thousands of people, so I'm just going to share this with you very openly. Uh, if you're an alcoholic, it's been suggested that you don't ever drink again. Uh, once alcohol is controlling your life, that's when you can't just have one drink. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about. That's what the psychology of, of getting rid of the addiction of alcoholism, it's, it's been suggested that you can't get rid of it. You just don't drink anymore because once you have one drink, then that opens up that box and you have lots of drinks. In my experience, people that have challenges with their food, it's the same. Once you've got to 10 on the emotional eating scale and once you know calories and fat grams and percentages of macronutrients and food is controlling your life, I'm not sure you get over it. I'm not sure that you can... And now the challenge is you can stop eating, uh, stop drinking alcohol, of course, but you can't stop eating food. You have to keep eating food. Now, you don't have to eat chocolate. But the challenge is, of course, if you think that chocolate is a bad food, now for the rest of your life you have something that's controlling you, not the other way around. And if you have... If you are at that end where, you, where you're in control of your food and you don't eat any bad food, it doesn't mean that just because you don't eat it doesn't mean it's not controlling you. If you look at something and it makes you angry or frustrated or guilty or sad because you can't have it, or if you eat it and you feel guilty or angry or frustrated or sad because you ate it, now that they're all emotions. That None of that is logical. If you're hungry and you eat food, that is not bad. <laughs> If you're in the desert or in the bushes and you're going to die and you come across some chocolate and that's going to keep you alive, then wouldn't you eat it? Uh, there are some people that wouldn't, unfortunately, because they think chocolate's a bad food and so they end up dying. Why am I sharing all of that with you? This little frog lives at our house for a reason. <laughs> because there's a great quote, and I can't quote it out loud, uh, about why he sits like this. And it goes a bit like this, but I'll, I'll just be naughty anyway. It says, Today, not one ounce of fuck shall be given. That's the quote that goes with this frog. And that's why he lives at our house. Because if I'm indifferent to food, I don't care <laughs> how many calories are in a food, how many fat grams, how much exercise I have to do to get rid of it. It's just a normal part of my life and I thoroughly enjoy it or if I don't like it, I don't eat it. Could I be relaxed and casual like my froggy here? And yes, he's got a bit of a belly. But are there people who have a bit of a belly and it doesn't upset them? Are there other people that have more than 1% extra in body fat and they become angry, frustrated, suicidal because their body fat percentage is too high? So I ask that question, would it be cooler to live with a little belly and be happy and healthy and enjoy your life than to be fanatical about ripped abdominals and percent body fat and have a miserable life. Now, the people that have chosen to live their life like that, where they control everything, where they're at the 10 on the emotional eating scale, so food's controlling their life, they control everything they put into their body, they have good and bad foods, they have good and bad amounts, they have good and bad times of the day to eat, and it's all about the emotion, I don't think I can change that. The same as I don't think that I can stop somebody from being an alcoholic. Uh, and the psychiatrists and psychologists and, and brain scientists will pretty much back me up on that. Uh, once you're an alcoholic, you just can't drink again because otherwise you will, you, will you are an alcoholic for the rest of your life. Once you've had food control in your life, 
And as I've shared before, uh, when I did a, a bodybuilding competition, when I put on a bikini and stood on stage to have people judge my body, uh, I, I switched my whole headspace from zero on the emotional eating scale and I went to 10 in a very short period of time. And I've never been back to zero. I don't think you can go back to zero because once you've learnt something, you can't unlearn it. Once you know how many calories there are in a slice of bread or a piece of chocolate or an apple, you, you, can, you cannot unlearn that. Now you know that. So I can't go back to zero. But what I do want to be is like my little frog, where I just relax and enjoy the experience. And as I often share, one of the tools that I've used, and I'm going to, that's why this chocolate, uh, this is a reasonably new uh, flavour of chocolate. And there's a label on here. First of all, even if I, if I look at the label, I can't read it because I haven't got my glasses on. So I would never put my glasses on to read this. I'm not interested. I think, yeah, there's a, there it is. There's always a label, isn't there? In some countries, it's illegal not to have a label. But that label there under here, can't read it because I haven't got my glasses, uh, that tells me how many fat grams, how many calories, how much sugar, how much energy, all that stuff. Well, I don't want to know. So I really like new products. The products where I know the calorie count and I know the carbohydrate count and I know the protein count and I know how much exercise I have to do to burn it off, I don't like to eat those foods anymore. See, that's why I'm not zero. I can never go back to zero on the emotional eating scale because food is still controlling my life to a point. What I do, though, is I eat food that I don't know what the calorie count is and I don't want to know because <laughs> I want to enjoy my food. I went to a restaurant in the U.S. and... Uh, by law, they have to put on the menu, I think in most restaurants now in the US, but on the menu, but also in the pretty window at the front of the shop, uh, they had to put the calorie count on all the cakes, and the cheesecake and the carrot cake and the chocolate cake, all as how many uh, calories per serve of cake. And I thought, that's the quickest way. For me, that's like putting vomit or rat poison on that cake. I don't want to eat it anymore because <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know how many calories are in the food I'm eating. I just want to relax. Today, not one ounce of calorie counting shall be done. Today, not one ounce of care shall be given to how many calories are in the food. I just want to enjoy my food. And of course, the last question is, but Roe, what if you get fat? What if you put on weight? What if you're not healthy? Well, that's called a, a great measurement of how do you feel? And I always ask this question of everybody else, but more importantly, for me, I ask this question every day. Rowie, do you have a stack of energy today? Rowie, are you performing at your best? Do you love what you see in the mirror and the way your body feels in the shower, when you shave your legs and when you, when you soap yourself down? And are you getting the results that you want from your eating and exercise plan? And if the answer is ever no on any of those, I change something. So it might be that if I thoroughly enjoy a full block of this every night, and we always have a joke at our house because... Uh, family block. If there's only two people in your family, then that is a family, isn't it? We just happen to have puppy dogs that enjoy chocolate as well. Interestingly, <laughs> I'll just touch on that. Uh, if you're a vet, you'll probably be angry with me straight away. I've heard so many times from vets, don't feed your dogs chocolate. They don't like it. It's bad for them. Uh, my little broody's been eating chocolate all of his life. He's 20. Now, I'm not. Other, that's an argument from the extreme. But I'm not the person that says to my dogs or anybody else in my life, you can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have. Let's all have what we really enjoy. I've also got a dog that if I, I can give him this right now, open it up, put it in front of him, and Bentley will just sniff it and walk away. He doesn't like chocolate. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice that we were completely indifferent to the foods that we don't like? 
we were completely indifferent to the foods that we do like. We just eat them when we're hungry. We stop eating when we're full and we enjoy everything. So whether alcohol is your thing because you really like it, whether chocolate's your thing, whether takeaway food's your thing, I don't care. I'm an exercise professional who wants you to enjoy your food. I want you to be healthy, fit and strong, have a stack of energy, perform at your best, look and feel great about what you see in the mirror and get the results that you want from your eating and exercise plan. And if that sounds good to you, could it be a really good idea to take off the pressure? There are no good or bad foods, only the amount in which we eat or drink them. And could we just enjoy them rather than can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have? Could that be a good idea?